Welcome back, everybody, to episode seven of the fourth season of the Building Life on Athletes podcast, where our goal is to keep you active and healthy through life through practical and actionable information. I'm your host, Jordan Renke. Thanks so much for stopping by. So let's get started here. First of all, people have probably heard about testosterone, right? If you're on social media, especially in the fitness community, you're going to see testosterone. People talk about it all the time, that it's this panacea, that it's everything, that it's the most important thing in the world. But that being said, you might have run across people talking about how testosterone might be dangerous for you. Some people talk about how testosterone is bad for your heart. And the question I had is like, well, where does this idea come from, right? So the way I was kind of looking into it, and I found two main areas as to where it kind of happened. You know, first from the scientific side of things, there were and the FDA put a black box warning on testosterone therapy. So what a black box warning is for anyone who's not familiar with that, essentially the FDA is like, whoa, there could be a very serious condition here that could be caused by this medication. So we have to put it on the box saying like, this could be a serious problem. So like other times, like I said, if you're worried about, you know, one common one that we've seen before is on SSRIs, so like depression medications, there can be a chance that it increases suicidal thoughts. So that's like a black box meaning like you have to be aware of this before you start this medication. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean it's very common in the incidence of SSRIs. Like I said, it's not very common at all. And the same thing with testosterone, it's not very common at all. And it's actually not even definitive if it does cause that. But that being said, the FDA, after having some data brought to their attention, they were like, ah, we're not sure and we're just going to do it. There was an advisory committee. They had a big meeting that decided that there was a possible increase in cardiovascular risk in men who just take testosterone. So they were like, all right, that's it. Like, you know, this is a hot topic to begin with. So we're going to just err on the side of caution. And that, that's like I said, it's understandable when you're not sure. I'd much rather have someone err on the side of caution. And obviously there's lots of discussion that can be had on like benefits of being more conservative or more aggressive. But that being said, I definitely understand that place where you're like, oh, I'm not sure. And so like I said, there were some studies that showed potential risks, others did not. And so, you know, other potential, like they might've had shown increased risk of stroke, heart attack, death, all those things. So they were just like, ah, okay, like we're gonna put this black box warning. That doesn't mean we're gonna take it off the market because the evidence is not convincing enough to be like, oh, we need to stop, you know, selling this or putting it into market. It's just like, hey, we're not sure. So we're gonna kind of be cautious here. That's essentially what that black box label is for them. So that's one reason, right? So in the medical community, you've been told that, hey, like these things are, they can cause clots, they can do all this stuff. And, and just as, a, as a physician, I've definitely like, you know, kind of heard that like, oh, like we gotta be careful when prescribing testosterone. So it's definitely embedded into like the culture of medicine. And then if we step outside the medical world, we kind of talk about more fitness space. You know, everyone's heard about that young athlete who used a bunch of anabolic steroids and had a heart attack, right? And so like it or not, that's linked to testosterone, right? Like someone hears anabolic steroids and automatically like testosterone. Obviously there are an enormous amount of hormones that can be taken in different substances that count as anabolic steroids that are not necessarily purely testosterone, but a lot of them are derivatives of it. Either way, there are lots of other things out there. And so even though most of these people who were super young and died and they're probably using more than testosterone, but it's still scary, right? When you hear this, like these people are on this medication, testosterone is part of their stack or something like that. You'll hear that and you're like, oh, like that is scary. So we want to you know, be careful about that. So like that's kind of in my research where I found the two ideas where they come from is like the medical establishment and then also the lay, you know, lay fitness community saying, hey, like testosterone can be bad for your heart. And so where do we have most of the data for testosterone and cardiovascular health? Like, what are we looking at? The vast majority of this data comes from hypogonadal males in the age range of about 40s to 70s. So that is the data we can extrapolate with. What I mean extrapolate with is, hey, when we study a specific population, so in this instance, hypogonadal men between ages of 40 and 70, like when we do a study in that population, that is the population that we can talk about and say, hey, 
definitively like this population, it seems like X happens when we look at this. So meaning those people, what we can't do is we can't extrapolate that in hypogonadal males in the 4070s to everyone else, because we don't know that's not their specific condition. So that's it. We don't really have lots of data on those who just take it for age related decline. So there are some people that take it for, you know, as I'm getting older, my testosterone going down, I need to replace it. That is not an FDA indication for testosterone. So like that's not an FDA approval for it. Obviously it's super common, happens all the time. But that being said, it is not FDA indicated. And so there's not a lot of studies about that. So people do it though. So it's, it's hard to extrapolate though, right? So we're looking at clinically diagnosed hypogonadal males between 40 and 70. And then we have this whole other population who just takes it for age related decline in their testosterone potentially. So it's really hard to figure out, Hey, is the things that we're looking at in this study, does it apply to them? Right? Cause they have, they could have additional factors that this other group doesn't, and we're not necessarily sure. So that being said, we're not sure, but it's like the data, that's the data that we have. And we have to figure out risks and benefits and kind of extrapolate it from there. And so question I had is like, well, like, is this even plausible, right? Anytime they, there's a claim for something, you have to kind of stop and think, Hey, is it even plausible that this could happen? And there are definitely multiple mechanisms that could explain and contribute to potential cardiovascular disease related to testosterone. So that, that is one thing, but there are also some potential benefits as well. I'll kind of start with an overview and then we'll dive into a couple in a little more detail, but you know, first of all, some of the quote unquote bad changes, you might see a decrease in HDL. You might have an increase in hematocrit level, which is pretty slam dunk. It's going to happen. And then you might see increased fluid retention, right? So the idea is like, okay, HDL may play a role with cholesterol balance may affect that increased hematocrit may lead to increased clotting and then increased fluid retention may lead to more strain on the heart. And that's kind of like what we're thinking about from a good side effect perspective. There are some studies showing that you might have some increased coronary vasodilation and increased coronary blood flow, both of which are good things. And then there's also some mixed data on pro or antithrombotic meaning clotting. Like is it clot or does it not clot? Not real sure. So let's kind of jump into a couple more specific ones and just go into a little bit more detail. The first one is subclinical atherosclerosis. So atherosclerosis, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back in previous podcasts, talk all about that, probably ad nauseum and everyone's sick of it, but you can have subclinical atherosclerosis, meaning we're not having events, right? Like not having like strokes or heart attacks, but we're having an increase of the plaque inside the vessel. So there is something called the carotid intima media thickness, which is a marker of subclinical atherosclerosis and it's linked to cardiovascular events. So this carotid intima media thick, if you think about the circle, if you look at the you know cross section of a, um, a vessel and you kind of cut it in half, the Intima media is kind of this layer inside of it. And you're saying how much plaque is accumulating there. And you wouldn't necessarily see that unless you got a specific scan looking for it, or eventually got so bad where you have an event like a heart attack. So they're looking at, they've looked at that and they have in this couple studies show that there was an increase in that CIMT compared to placebo, meaning they saw a buildup of more of that subclinical atherosclerosis in there. Um, but like I said, and another study maybe saw that there was a potential increase in non-calcified plaque. So not a slam dunk by any means, but there's some concerning findings, right? Like if I hear that, Hey, this, can increase the plaque inside your artery. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not worried about it. Like that's literally one of the things I worry about the most uh, with patients is, Hey, like keeping your heart healthy. And so there are some studies indicating that. So that's another reason to like kind of give pause. Next, let's talk about lipoprotein function. So we mentioned HDL, right? It's the quote unquote good cholesterol. It's much more complicated than that, but it has multiple protective functions, something like cholesterol efflux, which is kind of shuttling cholesterol in and out and testosterone may actually decrease HDL and that could inhibit cholesterol clearance. So if we're not having HDL getting cholesterol out of there, we might have more around and that's more hanging around that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you don't want it hanging around because it can lead to bad things. And so once again, no definitive answer there, but if we're lowering our HDL, could that have an effect? Quite possibly. And then, you know, we always talk about plaque and cholesterol and inflammation, right? For heart disease. So that plays a role as well. Testosterone may or may not cause inflammation. We're not sure. It doesn't seem like it's slam dunk. It doesn't seem to 
reduce inflammatory markers when looking at RCTs, and but it also some say, hey, it might actually reduce it. So it is not slam dunk by any means, but like there are some studies indicating it may increase inflammation. So once again, if you're adding up more plaque and more inflammation, that's not a good recipe, but it's like I said, not slam dunk. And then from a coagulation and thromboembolism standpoint, meaning blood clots, testosterone may actually decrease platelet aggregation. So that may actually lead to less clotting, but it is it will increase hematocrit, which can lead to other um, clots and occlusive events. And so the data is kind of mixed, but they do say overall, if like you're on and you're a high risk patient, like you've had clots before, they recommend additional screening, looking like things uh, called antiphospholipid antibody syndrome, or looking at your mutations in the prothrombin gene. Like I said, that's well beneath, you know, uh, away from this podcast we don't need to talk about but if you do have a history of clots it's not something like i take lightly like okay we need to probably look at this and so those are like the proposed mechanisms of why this could happen so all pretty legit in terms of like those things like patho you know like from a pathophys and pathology perspective like that makes sense like all those things could lead to damage of the heart so that makes sense but what does the data really say so we'll first start with like the non-randomized data right so we're looking at like prospective longitudinal studies these are the ones where it's kind of watching people do their thing and see what happens even these studies, they weren't consistent. And some of them actually may have seen that when you had lower testosterone, you had an increase all cause mortality. So that's kind of going the opposite of people are saying like, oh, if it's dangerous, like why would low testosterone, you know, if, if, you're, if your testosterone were dangerous for you, people who had low testosterone should live longer. And some associations were found in the study where if you have lower testosterone it may actually cause like earlier mortality and increased mortality. That being said though, that is just perspective and it's not randomized by any control. So we can't extrapolate that, right? We can't say that, oh, like that's the testosterone. Like, no, people who have low testosterone very commonly have a bunch of other comorbidities like obesity and hypertension and all the metabolic you know, syndrome risk factors, all those things can lower it. So it is not like, that is not a great study to say like it is the testosterone. So looking back though, there were, I said, additional retrospective analysis of testosterone replacement therapy of uh, one of the papers I looked at kind of was an analysis of five different studies. Two showed benefit two showed harm, one was kind of trending towards harm in cardiovascular, so lots of mixed results. Like I said, and that's kind of our prospective, just looking at things either um, not either prospective or retrospective, but non-randomized at all. But then we do have randomized trials, which is cool, but once again, um, things aren't super crystal clear. There was a meta-analysis to look at. Um, they've not really shown a significant associations between testosterone and cardiovascular events, things like major cardiovascular events or mortality even. So kind of not slam dunk at all that testosterone is causing these. However, there was one study that I did look at showed increased thickness of non-calcified plaque in the testosterone treatment arm, meaning those who got testosterone had a higher burden of plaque, but it's not consistent as other studies show no increase in coronary artery calcium or intimate thickness changes. So it's kind of like back and forth where we're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. And so that's why you understand it's confusing, right? And so there's not a slam dunk and people will say this and that. Overall, like totality looking at the body of evidence, um, there might be some risk. It doesn't look like slam dunk though. Like that's the one thing. If you look back and kind of say, okay, what is it overall showing? It's not like we see a very strong, very conclusive association with testosterone and cardiovascular. Like that doesn't seem to be the case. Maybe there's a slight one, maybe there's not, like I said, but I think long story short, we're not seeing a huge trend. And then one recent study I thought was really, really cool. This was done in July, 2023 called the Traverse Study. So I think this is probably the best one done to date, probably the most robust one we've looked at. This was a randomized, multi-center, double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial of men with diagnosed hypogonadism, right? So their testosterone less than 300, and pre-existing cardiovascular disease, or like had a bunch of risk factors, like they had hypertension, their lipids were abnormal, they smoked, had peripheral artery disease, or had a previous heart attack or stroke. So like, we're looking at patients who hypogonadism, like I said, that's the vast majority of patients with testosterone because that's the only true FD indication. And that's what we're going to study. You know, it's kind of how it makes sense. But we have hypogonadism and they have pre-existing cardiovascular disease or 
at a really high risk for that with other risk factors. So this is like our most high and like most at risk population we're looking at. So this is great. These people also a lot of times either had to have radiographic or angiographic confirmation of coronary artery disease or an equivalent, or like I said, or three or more of those risk factors. So type two, uh, chronic kidney disease, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, all this. So like they either had it confirmed on some scan or a bunch of risk factors that said like we were pretty much gonna get eventually because that's how it works. Um, this was looking at 6,000 participants. So that's pretty cool. And they used a, a gel type of testosterone there. So they treated in, uh, the arm of testosterone to a level about 350 to 750. So that's like where the replacement level was. And endpoints were looking for MACE events. So MACE is major adverse cardiac, cardiac events, things like stroke and heart attack, looking at that. They found that testosterone therapy was non-inferior to placebo when it came to MACE. So what that means is we did not see an increase in mace in the testosterone arm when compared to placebo so it didn't look like it was any worse in causing those and it was kind of interesting their design was pretty unique they actually they're going to do the study till they got 372 cardiac events which is if you add them up there's that's more than every single study previously looking at in terms of events on like cardiac events on a testosterone study and so they did this the reason it's so specific at 372 is to get enough power for the analyses they were doing but like i said it's more than all the previous rcts combined so this is a pretty robust data set and they didn't see like i said an increase in mace in the arm however they did see an increase in non-fatal arrhythmias uh pe or pulmonary embolisms afib and acute kidney injuries in the testosterone group so it's not without its potential risks right doesn't look like it's completely benign. Looks like there may cause these other things. So like I said, it's not necessarily cardiovascular disease, but it may lead to other risk factors. In terms of some caveats for the study, it was only a 22-month follow-up, right? So that's that's pretty good in terms of it's pretty, pretty long when in comparison to other studies. But that being said, cardiovascular disease can take much longer to show its face. And we're talking years and decades potentially. And so we're not necessarily sure. And once again, this only had hypogonadal patients. So we don't know anything about those people who don't have hypogonadism who take testosterone like can you extrapolate? I'm not sure. What's my take on the study? Overall, though, I think this is a great study. I thought it was well thought out, well planned. It gives us really good information. It's like the most robust study we had. And the reason I like it so much, it was looking at the highest risk group you can think of, right? And we still didn't see a difference, which was very telling. So once again, we're setting up these people for essentially failure. I mean, we're not trying to. That's obviously not the goal of any studies. Like, hey, let's just hope we see events. Like, but we just understand the course of history. People have high cardiac risk factors are going to have events. That's how it goes. That's just how it happens. And so by looking at the most at-risk population and then still not seeing a difference, man, that's pretty telling. Because, you know, as you think about it, like, does that make me feel more confident in giving it to people who don't have as high of risk? Absolutely. I mean, that's like, and even, even with risk factors, I feel a little more confident in giving that after this study. So I said, overall, I really enjoyed the study. I thought it was really well done. And kind of reading through it, it made me think of like kind of playing devil's advocate is like, well, is it possible that having low testosterone, could that be actually causing cardiovascular disease? You know, the idea is that as we age, testosterone gets lower and we see higher cardiovascular disease, are they linked? Like I said, as we know, that's going to be really hard to prove. If you listen to this, you know that a lot of times um, we're going to talk about risk factors, but it's really hard to prove definitively if something's causing it. But there are some data suggesting it may help improve angina symptoms, I meaning you're on testosterone, may help decrease um, exertional chest pain. Also, there have been some studies showing that if you give testosterone, which this was inside the coronary artery, so they gave testosterone in there, they showed, showed vasodilation, which could have some positive effects um, on the heart as well. And there are observational studies as well that have shown an increased risk of cardiovascular and all-cause mortality in those with low endogenous testosterone levels. So endogenous means kind of that's what they normally are. Once again, though, is their T low because of other comorbidities or is it the T being protective? We're not sure. Like I said, I think overall the sweet spot would be potentially increasing testosterone to normal levels in those who have 
clinical hypogonadism and symptoms. Like I think that's probably where we're heading. And so just kind of bringing this into my take here. Overall, the data is just not clear, like I said. However, I'm starting to think that it might not be as dangerous as we once thought it was, right? Like going in training, that was a big thing. Someone came in and they're on testosterone. You're like, oh gosh, like, okay, um, I got to do this. And obviously there's things we have to monitor, right? We talked way, you know, back about the endocrine society, the recommendations. Yeah, we're monitoring things. We're going to look at your hematocrit. We're going to look at the total testosterone level and the free testosterone. We're going to look at um, a bunch of risk factors. We're going to look at your lipids. We're going to look at your, I mean, there's so many things we're going to look at and monitor your prostate, all these things. It's not saying we're not gonna look at those. We are, but that being said, it was kind of taught into us that is like, Oh my gosh, like this is like a high, really high risk medication. And it just seems like looking at the data, it just doesn't seem to be as high risk as I once thought it was. Is it without risk? No, no medication, no exogenous substance is without risk. Literally everything you eat in life, everything you do, everything has risk. And so it's about balancing that risk. And as I've learned and kind of gone through this series and this, this whole season, I just think it more and more, I see the less and less I am you know, as concerned about how dangerous it is. Yes, there are side effects that can happen. Yes, I'm going to be cautious and always counsel appropriately. But like I said, I'm starting to feel more and more confident about prescribing. It just might not be as dangerous as I once thought it was. But that being said, it's not completely settled. And as you know, testosterone can mess up your lipids. And so most people are going to have different responses to testosterone. And that's why we need close monitoring. And that's why data is so great. The studies are awesome. If people are doing this hard work of getting this important data to give us, you know, an idea and a basis for what we think and what we believe and why we do the things we do and why we treat patients the way we treat them. Like it is so important. But that being said, that is just an aggregate, right? We're looking at all these people coming together and like, these are the things that they have, but it's not you, right? It's not me. And how I respond to testosterone may be different than how you respond to testosterone. And so it's super important to work with your physician to kind of find that balance, right? Like say, Hey, maybe for you, the risk is worth the benefit, you know, risks versus benefits. It, it might be worth it, but you always have to think about like, what is best for you? And like I said, in a patient, one patient might get that and their lipids might go, absolutely bonkers might go crazy and not what we want to have another person might not touch them at all another person their hematocrit might go through the roof another person not at all and so that's why in the aggregate data is good to look at trends right give us ideas and understanding but at the end of the day n equals one meaning you are a single person i'm a single person and what happens to us will be different for every person and so you have to kind of consider that everyone's individualized and you have to find you know someone who's willing to work with you to kind of figure that and have close monitoring and so for me if you're on it i would definitely aggressively check lipids and your hematocrit right the reason we care about hematocrit is that can lead to increased clotting events and really i'm going to try to aggressively manage those i try to aggressively manage those for all my patients and so it wouldn't be that much different testosterone but that being said we have a known mechanism for how it could cause a worsening of those conditions and so i'd aggressively screen you know screen those and look at that however like i said if all those are fine on testosterone you know we're looking at your lipids hematocrit prostate all those things that we look at normally screen if they're fine then i really don't really have it doesn't look like there's a huge concern for cardiovascular disease that, that's generally what it looks like like i said i don't really have a great cardiovascular reason for why it'd be unsafe for you to continue, right? So if everything is checked out, all your lipids are looking good, all the things are under control, then I don't see a reason why I'd have to say, hey, you have to get off this from a cardiovascular standpoint. And once again, I'm not prescribing this to everybody, right? The fact is that we're talking about a very serious side effects that we're discussing here. And potentially this should be a reason why you shouldn't take testosterone unless it's clinically indicated, right? We're talking all these serious things. We're like, oh, like, does it increase strokes? Does it not? We're not sure. Like the fact that we're even talking about that should make you stop and think like, hmm, like, do I really need this? Is this really indicated? It's not, it's like I said, I, this is not, I do not recommend this for someone who's just like, oh, I feel a little like tired. Like I want to take testosterone. Like, mm -mm. like the reason I'm prescribing this is, hey, if you have diagnosed hypogonadism with symptoms, then hey, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Let's talk about it. But like I said, the fact that we have all these side effects we might have, like to me, that's like, okay, I'm going to think, think seriously about these four acts to do it. And so 
Freemium, always gonna, I'm always going to go for the least amount of intervention necessary, right? Like we want to do the least amount possible and do the least amount of harm. And if we don't have to take a medication, then I would recommend let's not do that. You know, there's a lot of people who say like, oh, I don't want to take any medications, but then they're like, oh, but I want testosterone. Like to me, that's, you know, doesn't make sense because it's the same idea. We don't want anything exogenous in us unless we have to, or we feel like it's really the benefit outweighs the risk because we never know what's going to happen. So that's just kind of my thoughts, my two cents. Um, do you disagree with me? Do you think it's like a panacea? It's the best thing in the world. Let me know down below. But overall, we're done here. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. If you like this, if you would give it a five-star rating on iTunes or Google or you know, wherever you watch your podcast, that'd mean the world to me. Um, and like I said, if you feel like I'm off base, let me know. Let me know in the comments. Do you think testosterone is safe for cardiovascular health? Let me know. Um, but once again, thanks so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Now get outside, get off your phone, have a great rest of the day. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.